Political Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. And welcome to this special edition of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my fellow political nerds out there in podcast world. And welcome to all of our non-political nerds out there in podcast world that seems to love our show. Um, I'm your host, Stephen Murphy. Welcome to everyone. And this special episode, we're going to be talking about the State of the Union Address. Donald Trump has just finished delivering what I believe is the longest State of the Union Address in the history of our country. I think it just broke the record that Bill Clinton forged in 1996, I believe. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of highlights to this year's State of the Union Address. A lot of bullshit was spoken. Um, it was just a lot of craziness. And for those who watched the entire thing, I commend each and every one of you because that was by far the longest I have ever sat down to watch a presidential speech. And for those who decided not to join us tonight for this State of the Union, you really didn't miss much. There was a lot of blah, 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 bullshit, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm going to build the wall. Immigration is bad. They're bad. They're real bad. Yada, yada, yada. Yay for veterans, even though I really don't support our veterans. Blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 me. Thank you. Good night. God bless you. God bless America. That was it. But imagine that going and stretching for an hour and 45 minutes or almost two hours that that speech went on. So, yes, this was a crazy, crazy, crazy State of the Union address as expected from Donald Trump. Um, So this special edition episode, we are going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the highlights of the speech, reactions from the Democrats. Stacey Abrams just got done wrapping up her speech, and I believe Bernie Sanders is in the process of delivering his speech right now. So, there's going to be a lot of arguments from both sides. There's going to be a lot of praise from the ass kissers, a lot of ass chewing from the Democrats. So, you know, this is just as expected. So if you're new to this, it'll be okay, I promise. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cold drink. I am actually on my third right now because we played State of the Union bingo tonight, which was kind of fun. Um, but just sit back, relax. And we'll be right back on this special edition of Political Thoughts with Steve. And welcome back to this special State of the Union address here on Political Thoughts with Steve. And to all of 
my uh, Twitter subscribers out there who are currently going live with me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to everyone that is joining us tonight. So let's talk about the State of the Union address. There was a lot of things that I noticed in the State of the Union address. The first thing I noticed was at the very beginning. Now, for those who do not know anything about the State of the Union or the protocol for the State of the Union address, the Sergeant of Arms welcomes the President into the House chamber. That's when you have everyone you know, standing up, applauding, yay, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then the President walks upon the podium. Then he hands two things to two people. In the envelopes is a copy of his State of the Union address. He hands it to the Vice President or the President of the Senate. And he hands another to the Speaker of the House. And after that, there's a normal pause. The Speaker has her gavel. She will hit her gavel and present the President to Congress. That did not happen tonight. As soon as the President got on the podium and did his thing, gave the papers to, to Nancy Pelosi and to um, Mike Pence, he automatically started talking about the State of the Union. He went ahead and started addressing it, which goes completely against protocol. I mean, you have to remember, this president does not care about protocol at all. And if you remember, like at the beginning of President Obama's first day of the union, there was kind of like a fuck up at the beginning. But, you know, he stopped and allowed protocol to happen. Not tonight. And that pretty much shows that there is still a lot, a lot of hatred going on right now with Donald Trump and with Nancy Pelosi. There is just a lot of fucking animosity there. And for all those on Twitter right now, I have a swear jar beside me. I've already put like a hundred bucks in it. That should cover me for the remainder of the month. So we are good right now, but welcome everyone on Twitter. Welcome everyone in podcast world. So let's get into it. Trump calls for compromise and state of the union speech. Now Trump used his state of the union to call for a new era of cooperation to break decades of political gridlock and unlock America's promises. Now, if you were following me tonight on Twitter, I did this whole spiel where I literally tweeted the entire State of the Union address. And I have to tell you, after an hour and 45 minutes, I am just drained from doing that. Um, but he said in that speech, we have or we can make our communities safer, our families stronger, our culture richer our faith deeper and our middle class bigger and more prosperous than ever before. We have the ability as Americans to do that. We have the ability to make our country as great as possible. We have the ability to bring peace to the world. We have this ability. But in 2019, we really don't have that ability anymore because there is just so much gridlock in Congress and there's just so much animosity in Congress that really, you know, we just, we don't see it anymore. We don't see the typical State of the Union address or the typical inauguration address. I mean, really, 
I get annoyed easily by people. And during his address, I was heavily annoyed because he kept walking away from the mic and looking over to the gallery. I mean, I understand when you're recognizing people, but it's like he's like expecting something to happen. It's like he is looking for approval. Like, did I just say the right thing? Did y'all like that? I'm the man. Just bullshit that he does. Um, but he called for a lot of compromise in this speech, um, especially with immigration and with border security and with military and, you know, making laws. And, you know, we are going to get into the bullshit of what he said tonight. Um, then he decided to use his speech. See, the whole speech was uniting the country. However, he was using the speech also not only to unite his base, but also to put a little bit of fuel on that dying fire right now in his base to, you know, get more pissier at the Democrats. And I noticed that because he was talking about unity, yet he kept slamming the Democrats throughout the whole entire speech. Um, he took a swipe at the ongoing probe that's going on right now involving the Russia investigation of the president's possible connections to Russia, saying that the State of the Union, or saying during the address that ridiculous partisan investigations could slow down America's economic growth. So this is a guy who is by far just trying to do his absolute best to get away from this Russia investigation. So what he's doing is he is saying that if this Russia investigation continues, it's going to slow economic growth. The country's not going to do good. Our people is not going to prosper the way that he wants us to. Just finding excuses to stop this investigation. Then he went on, my, one of my favorite quotes of the night is, an economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing we can stop it are foolish wars, politics, and ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace in legislation, there cannot be war in investigation. So Trump became like Grandmaster T, like right there at the very beginning. And when he said that, the whole the whole chamber just went silent. I think I probably heard a couple of boos, a lot of gasps. Um, you know, they were painting to faces and I remember seeing AOC's face like, what the fuck did he just say? Um, Pelosi had this this face all night that, you know, she was ready to like come down from her speaker chair and just beat his ass. That was pretty funny. Um, But yeah, he, he kept, you know, praising that, you know, we need to stop this investigation. We need to get away from the investigation. The investigation is going to destroy the country. And really, I mean, this is just a guilty man doing his best to halt the inevitable because right now within the next 12 months, I mean, this house is definitely going to file impeachment charges against him. They are definitely pissed. You could tell, I mean, that, that sense of that sense of being pissed off was there. There was a lot of tension there. I mean, the tension was so thick or the tension was so, was so thick. You can just cut it with a knife. Um, but it was, 
it was just crazy. And if you watched it tonight, as I said at the beginning, good job. Because it takes a true political nerd to go out there to sit on your couch and watch a liar for an hour and 45 minutes, dude. I mean, geez, Louise. And then he went from that, he started talking about immigration. Now, it's no, it's no, um, it's no hidden secret that President Trump is extremely anti-immigration. I mean, he's all about legal immigration, and that's cool and everything. But when there's more illegal immigration going on in the country than people actually becoming legalized citizens, there is a problem there. I've been saying it for years. We need to have immigration reform. We need to have common sense immigration reform. We need to find ways to get people who have been in our country for 20, 25 plus years that have contributed to our society, that has contributed to our economy. We need to get them nationalized as soon as possible. They they deserve it. They deserve to be here. Those who are serving in our military right now, they deserve to be here. But then he started talking about his wall. Now, remember, he shut the government down for 35 days to get $5.7 billion for his wall. He didn't get the money, um, but he did shut the government down. He said he was going to shut the government down, except for the part where he said, I take full responsibility. It all of a sudden became the Democrats' uh, problems. Um, but he started talking about the wall, and he... He talked that this wall is going to be built without the Democrat support. He even urged Congress to work together and forge a deal on border security. He said, I'll get it built. He made a promise to the American people. He made a promise to the American people um, tonight that he's going to get this wall built. But guess what? That's not how it works unless if he just took $5 billion of his own money to pay for this wall, which isn't going to happen either because you can't give the government money unless if it's through taxes. But he is saying that this wall is going to be built. Um, saying, quote, simply put, walls work and walls save lives. Walls do not work. The last wall I remember came down in Berlin after Reagan demanded for that wall to come down. Um, you may say, well, you have the Great Wall of China, which is a extremely old wall. But here's, the, here's what they're finding at the border right now. There is border fences all over the place, but they're finding tunnels being dug under the fences, like deep under the fences, that some of these tunnels even have like air conditioning and you know, like a trolley system. This is a way that people are smuggling drugs and and sex workers either into the United States from Mexico or from the United States into Mexico during this during the sex trade that's been going on for too long right now. But he said that the walls will work and the wall is going to save lives. I beg to differ. Right now. We have 
hundreds of thousands of people living on the streets. And a lot of them are, are veterans. And it breaks my heart when I meet a brother in arms that served in wars before me living on the streets. Now, some friends of mine that are heartless would say, well, it's their choice. It's their choice. I don't think anyone chooses to be homeless. I think when it comes to being homeless, it is a situation that you get put in. And when it comes to veterans, veterans leave the service not saying, well, I want to be homeless. I mean, I don't remember leaving the leaving the service, leaving the Navy saying, well, I want to be homeless. I left the Navy saying, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to contribute to society. I'm going to belong to something that's bigger than myself again. But that didn't happen. I was jobless for years. I had a good family that supported me. I went to college and got my bachelor's. I'm going through college right now to get my master's. I'm almost done with that. But there, you don't leave the service saying I'm going to be homeless. And many homeless veterans that I've met that Donald Trump hasn't met are saying that or not saying, but they suffer from mental illnesses caused by the wars that they fought in. VA doesn't have enough money in the budget to help everybody. That's a sad thing that they prepared us for war, yet they weren't prepared to help us when we got back to deal with the costs of war that comes with mental health. Um, but getting off the subject of homeless veterans, because that could become an hour-long podcast episode in itself. This wall is not going to save us. This wall is not going to save our country. This wall is not going to save the economy. This wall is going to drain us. It's going to drain the economy billions upon billions of dollars within within the next 30 years of studies that's been done on border security and what could help with our border security problem that we're having right now. But a wall is not the answer. And then he goes to China. He starts talking about China, saying that Washington's aggressive trade negotiations with Beijing would mean an end to China's alleged theft of U.S. jobs and wealth. He also called on China to make a kind of far-reaching structural change to industrial policies that analysts are now saying Beijing is likely to resist. So China has stolen our jobs. No shitty trade is what stole our jobs. Technology is what's stealing our jobs. Now, you can argue that China has, you know, played a hand in a lot of this, in which I, I would definitely um, listen to that argument. Um, but China has found the loopholes when it comes to our trade policies, and that's what happens. It's, it's the tariffs. It's, it's the restrictions. It's also the tax incentives. I mean, this is what happens when you're part of a free trade is you trade with other countries. The thing is, China is offering better products with low costs, or China is telling American workers to come to China and work there, and they'll pay them more and give them you know, free health care and free housing and all this, I mean, th that could be a reason why China is taking some U.S. jobs. But my opinion, 
is that the reason why China is taking U.S. jobs is because of all the loopholes in the trade agreements, all the incentives, the taxes, and China and Japan just makes better shit. I mean, here's the thing. I had, when I bought cars, I just bought a Toyota, and I'm pretty happy about it. But I can already tell that this car is already built better because two weeks into my first purchase or my second purchase of a car, I was already having problems. But there's just better stuff coming out of China. Yeah, we're losing money to China. That's documented. That's true. But you need to look at all the trade agreements that you have with China and start from there. And then my favorite part of the speech. He says that he wants to eliminate HIV in the United States within 10 years. HIV has been a problem in our country since the 80s. We have lost a lot of good people to AIDS and HIV. This is something that I'd love to see happen. I would love to see AIDS and HIV become eradicated in the United States and all over the world. Um, and if this is something, you know, this was actually something I did agree with tonight was his stance on HIV, saying that scientific breakthroughs have brought a once distant dream within reach. His budget will ask Democrats and Republicans to make the need commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. Now, you can talk about the cancer moonshot because as someone who, my mom has cancer, my grandmother had cancer, I've watched cancer take away people that I have cared about and people that I've loved, people that I love, and I would love to see cancer become a thing of the past. I would love to see HIV become a thing of the past. It is time to cure these terrible diseases that are killing our mothers, our fathers, and our children. So I did agree with him on that. And then he talked about that he's going to be meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un February 27th and 28th in Vietnam. I think this was towards the end of his INF speech when he was talking about how the United States is now out of the INF because Russia kept violating the treaty and everything that was signed by Reagan and Gorbachev back in the 80s. He mentioned with Vietnam, if he had not been elected president of the United States, we would right now be in a major war with North Korea. That received a lot of boos, a lot of jeers. That was the moment in time that that Nancy Pelosi had to kind of put her hand up to silence the Democrats because they were ready to like jump over and start whooping his ass right there. I mean, I kind of wish the State of the Union could evolve into a big WWE match because it would be funny as hell to watch the President of the United States take on a member of Congress or the entire Congress. That would just be great to watch. But according to him, February 27th to 28th, he'll be in Vietnam to talk with Kim Jong-un of North Korea and hopefully come up with a treaty that would help eliminate nuclear warheads with North Korea. 
Um, I'm all for world peace, but I don't think he's going to be the one to do it. I think that China, I, I think that North Korea is just literally just pulling his leg. I think that Russia is pulling his leg. I think leaving the INF or getting rid of the INF treaty was one of the worst mistakes of his presidency to name like a million. Um, but you know what? Anything can happen. Anything can happen with those peace talks with Kim Jong-un on February 27th, 28th, which is going to make a great podcast episode, by the way. Um, then he went on to talk about New York. Now, New York just passed a law that allows abortion, I think, up to right before delivery, but it has to be signed off by a doctor or a practitioner. So Trump being pro-life as he is, and I don't think he's pro-life. I've had this discussion and this debate a million times. He's not pro-life. The Republicans are not pro-life. They're just anti-abortion. They do not care about adoption. They do not care about adoption rights. They do not care about trying to lower the cost of adoptions or promoting adoptions for the LGBT communities. They do not care. The only thing they care about is the fetus before it's born. The moment that that fetus is born, it's our problem. It's your problem. It's my problem. That's my stance when it comes to anything that's pro-life. But he highlighted in his speech recent legislation debates in Virginia and New York on late-term abortions, saying to defend the dignity of every person, I'm asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. So, if Congress gets it passed, which if the Senate wanted to do this, the Senate could get it passed, um, then yeah, I can see, I can see the Senate passing. I don't see the House passing, um, which I'm pretty sure it will die in the Senate. Um, but then it's going to be fought in the courts anyways. I mean, it's a Roe versus Wade issue, and I've said it a million times. Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. If you don't like it too bad, if you like it, okay, we should be promoting a woman's right to choose. And I understand both sides of the argument when it comes to abortion, but I don't know about you, but I'm getting so sick and tired of hearing about abortion debates, abortion debates. I think that we're going to be hearing about abortion debates within the next 200 years. They're still going to be debating on a woman's right to choose. It's law of the land. Republicans need to get over it. And then he went on to talk about the war. Yes, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq. Yeah, we're still in yeah, we're still in Iraq. Saying that it's time to get away from the war in Afghanistan. It's time to bring the troops home. And I totally agree. This is a war that has been fought for 17 years now. It's a war that does need to come to an end. I have lost a lot of friends to this war. I've had a lot of friends come back fucked up from this war. It's time to end the war in Afghanistan. I, I agree with him on that. I do. Saying that my administration is holding consecutive talks with a number of Afghan groups, including the Taliban. So he's trying to negotiate a peace settlement with Afghanistan's government and with the Taliban, even though that the president 
of Afghanistan is against him. The president of Iraq is against him. It's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a very tough battle. Um, but that was uh, something that I highlighted specifically within within his um, State of the Union address. I mean, there was there was a lot of um, talks of you know trying to get away from his State of the Union address. Um, there was a lot of talks to, or there was a lot of um, things in his State of the Union address that kept you know trying to you know, get away from the whole Russia investigation. I mean, you got to think he appeared before a divided Congress tonight for the first time to try to bring unity to this country. And I'm telling you, when it comes to this country, when it comes to this country, Donald Trump does not know how to promote unity with this country. He has never, ever known how to promote unity with this country. Um. And he called for conciliation. You know, we need to coincide with each other. Um, you know, this is right after a 35-day shutdown over a stupid fucking fence. Or, I'm sorry, a stupid fucking border wall. You know, talking about retribution. Crazy. But there was some good points of the speech. There was some good points. Um, one thing that he highlighted was was the women's movement, that there's more women now in Congress, which if you watch the State of the Union, all women were dressed in white, I think, to promote the movement of women's suffrage. Um, he spoke of, he spoke of uh, that there's more women in the workforce now than what there were. Um, more women are going to the polls now. More women are, practicing politics and coming into politics and you know he, he scored some points on on the woman on the women's issues however women are still pissed off women are still feeling that they do not matter when it comes to Donald Trump um but that was something that you know he did kind of score some points on um you had um members of the D-Day invasion in Normandy that was there. I think it was like one or two final or last survivors of the D-Day invasion in Normandy. Um, a Holocaust survivor that was there whose birthday was tonight. So they all got up and sung happy birthday to him. Um, he talked about bullying, which is a double standard because Donald Trump bullies people every single day. If you don't believe that, I want y'all to stop what you're doing right now. Get on Twitter. Go look at his Twitter. I guarantee you his shit is there. I guarantee you can start reading how much bullying that he does on a daily basis on Twitter. He is known for this. So, But he was talking about how bullying is bad. Bullying's bad. It's just bad. It goes back to this week's podcast episode when I said, parents, stop. Stop raising your kids to be assholes. Just stop. Raise them right. They won't do stupid shit at school. There. Anyways, if you haven't, go listen to my new podcast episode that came out yesterday. Go listen to that. I promise it does not disappoint. Um, but yeah, that was just a lot of empty promises. A lot of empty promises on the State of the Union address. Um, Van Jones of CNN called him 
psychotically incoherent. Um, he's freaking crazy. And as I said before at the beginning of this episode, the State of the Union went on for an hour and 45 long minutes. I was, I was done with my third glass of whiskey when he wrapped it up. And I was steadily just saying, please wrap it up, please, for the love of God. There was probably like someone by by the cameras who was like giving like that whole, you know, like that that hand motion that they do at the Oscars, like wrap it up, people, just wrap it up. Because he kept going on and on and on to the point where if you look at the at the video feed, people in Congress were just looking like dead. They were so tired from hearing President Trump tonight. And I think he probably broke Clinton's record. Um, I'll have to do some research on that. But that is what's going on, or that's what's went on tonight during the State of the Union speech. Um, I guarantee that the whole speech is now on YouTube. So if you want to go through that again, just go to YouTube and look up the 2019 State of the Union address by Donald Trump, and you'll see what I've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. Um. But yeah, that is the State of the Union for 2019. He said that the State of the Union is strong. No, Mr. President, the State of the Union is not strong. People are struggling very hard right now. Our country just got out of a deep freeze from this Arctic blast that hit us. People need to go to work. People are homeless. People are on drugs. People are. So I think that we cut off right there. I don't know what it was. The last thing that you heard me say, um, but we just got done um, finishing up on live on Twitter and everything. Um, but yeah, he said that the state of our union is strong, is not strong. There's a lot of people suffering right now in our country. There is a lot of people that are homeless. A lot of people that are on drugs. A lot of crime going on. Children are still being ripped away from their mother's arms at the borders. We have a lot of problems in this country. And it may be perfect to him. It may be perfect to his friends in the Republican Party. But to me and to many people that I know, many people that are being affected by what is going on in this Shit storm of the Trump era. The state of our union is not strong. The state of our union is in peril right now. And we all just need to come together and do our absolute best to make it through the next year. Because before you know it, we are going to be in 2020. The elections are going to be coming up. We're going to be getting ready to elect, hopefully, a new president. Good things, hopefully, are on the horizon. So I ask everyone just to be patient and get involved. Get involved. And eventually, the storm is going to blow over. Hopefully. Unless if you're my brother. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's um, episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. The special edition State of the Union episode of political thoughts received to all of my Twitter followers out there that followed me tonight that went live with me tonight. Thank you so much for being with me, hanging in there with me. This was a long one. I am exhausted from it. I am so ready for bed after this state of the union address. 
to those who have better things to do tonight, as I said at the beginning of our po- of our special podcast tonight, you didn't really miss much. But you know, this is just this is my way of saying thank you very much for uh, being with me tonight. Um, I am so tired. But anyways, that concludes it for this special edition of Political Thoughts with Steve. We'll catch everyone next week.